0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke music Show. It's great to be with you. As always, we have a huge show um, on this Monday. So without further ado, let's dive into our first story. Mitch McConnell made a remark that caused a lot of fuss across kind of the political uh, pundit world. And he pretty much alluded to the fact that a lot of the candidates running for the Republican Party uh, in the Senate races across the country are not great. He used the phrase candidate quality in his remark about how he's not completely confident that the republicans uh, will be able to take back the senate so of course that's an odd remark coming from the current senate minority leader who would become the senate majority leader if this the uh, republicans took back the senate and usually you try to give a hopeful message uh, you put a hopeful message out in the world so that you inspire kind of energy and motivation among your voters so that they donate and all these things. Interesting. Um, rarely do you hear this type of individual say, I don't know how the midterms are going to go. Might not look too good for us, partly because of the candidate quality in these races. So uh, again, it caused a lot of fuss. And I have a clip of you for a clip for you first of Sean Hannity responding to this remark. So this is where, where you'll actually see he has the clip in in it that I'm talking about. So you'll get to see what I'm talking about. Um, as well as after we'll look at Tucker Carlson's. Uh, feelings about Dr. Oz in particular, who is one of the people who is kind of obvious that Mitch McConnell is probably thinking of because there's a lot of discussion recently about the lack of hope in his campaign. Um, and so we'll take a look at first Sean Hannity, who got really angry at Mitch McConnell's remark, uh, but then Tucker Carlson, who seems to actually agree a little bit with Mitch McConnell.
1: Democrats are painting Republican Senate candidates running in upcoming uh, elections and midterms as cruel and out of touch. Well apparently, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is content to leave them out to dry and fend for themselves. Listen to these comments, very encouraging.
2: There's probably a greater likelihood the House flips than the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome.
0: So we'll let uh, Sean Hannity respond, but that is such a bizarre remark saying, uh, you know, there's probably a better chance that the House will be won by Republicans, the one that I'm less, you know, uh, invested in at least as far as being the majority leader in his mind, hopefully. Um, So it's a bizarre remark to then follow that up by saying it has to do with candidate quality. Okay, so you're saying you think a lot of the uh, Senate candidates who were nominated to represent your party are garbage. And I agree with you. I really do. <laughs> and I live for it, but you probably don't.
1: Candidate quality. You mean like in Pennsylvania, the Democratic Senate candidate, a devout socialist uh, style
0: uh, in the... So... Watch this rant. It's weird. Sean Hannity has been on the air for so many years, has gotten hours and hours of practice reading off a teleprompter, and this rant just seems so fragmented and as if it's someone who's a little bit new to the job. It's really weird.
1: In the vein of, let's see, oh, Bernie Sanders, who he endorsed over Joe Biden, a guy that literally can't put two sentences together himself. He's just only been 11 minutes on the campaign trail. A guy that wants to legalize heroin and have areas where people can shoot up in public. <laughs> and I hope Fetterman gets better health wise. But it's just a simple fact. He's to the left of Bernie Sanders. And yet you don't hear Chucky Schumer complaining about candidate quality in Pennsylvania. Uh, how about you get out there, Mitch, and fight for your team? Uh, what's your agenda, Mitch? Or would you rather just sit by- off- uh,
0: Do you get what I'm saying about his teleprompter reading skills? Uh, uh, what's your agenda, Mitch? Uh, how about you fight for your team? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird. The us are fine, but it just comes off as very scripted and and not authentic.
1: ...and watch helplessly as Democrats lie to your face, pass another $500 billion green energy boondoggle next year Or is it maybe Mitch McConnell hates Donald Trump so much that he would probably rather see Trump-endorsed candidates lose because he thinks that might hurt Donald Trump? His time Oh here, as a leader needs to come to an end.
0: Okay, so he's calling for the end of Mitch McConnell's time as a leader, partly in response to that statement where he's saying something that I think we can all observe to be true, which is many of the Senate candidates who got nominated for the Republican Party in a few states across the country are just separate from them being right-wing, separate from why we would disagree with them, even within the context of running within the Republican Party, are seemingly very, very uh, unqualified or unappealing uh, to even their voters. Herschel Walker in Georgia, Dr. Oz, Pennsylvania, are two of the ones that come to mind uh, quite often. But then Tucker Carlson, also alludes to this clip from Mitch McConnell, but has a very different take on it.
3: He told you the sad and bewildering story of Dr. Oz, a man with absolutely everything going for him, talent, decency, charm, money, name recognition, all the right endorsements, who is nevertheless losing by a big margin as a Republican in what should be a Republican wave election to a radical and incompetent Democratic lieutenant governor who's presided over the decline of the state. And who, by the way, also just had a stroke and can no longer speak in complete sentences. That's happening right now. (laughs) That's not true. Dr. Oz is getting crushed by a stroke victim who was already crazy. It's bizarre. The question is, why is this happening? We spent some time on the phone the other day calling around to various smart political people to find out why it's happening. We heard a lot of theories, almost all of which boiled down to Dr. Oz is a bad candidate. Wow. Mitch McConnell, who's in charge of electing more Republicans in the Senate, gave virtually the same explanation yesterday at a Kentucky Chamber of Commerce lunch. Quote, candidate quality has a lot to do with outcome, he said. In other words, it's not my fault they sent me bad candidates. Okay. But before we accept that, before we accept that a Republican.
0: Okay. Uh, We'll stop it there. So, Tucker Carlson seems to identify a little bit more accurately the uh, truth in Mitch McConnell's statement. Now, All of the, what I just said does not make any sense. Usually I rarely find myself both agreeing with Mitch McConnell and Tucker Carlson in one segment, but, but here we go. And so I think the statement from Sean Hannity of it's your team, dude, is, is fascinating because it's almost this idea of partisan, partisanship comes above truth or above your own principles. And I don't know what principles Mitch McConnell has, but I would think even just from the perspective of wanting to get in power, even just from the perspective of uh, wanting his party to do well, he can identify with his own eyes how bad some of these candidates are. Again, Dr. Oz is a great example of that. And Dr. Oz is somebody running in a state that should be, you know, more purple. Pennsylvania, it, it could definitely go red, absolutely, and it does. Um, and so, Dr. Oz should have a better chance, but he's not doing well at all in the polling, uh, and obviously both of their slanders against John Fetterman were not accurate, but uh, John Fetterman is a really great candidate, and I think he definitely, hopefully, but um, as of now, also expectedly will win in Pennsylvania, which is exciting, and will defeat Dr. Oz, which is also exciting, because <laughs> Dr. Oz would be a horrible senator. So, interesting little feud going on within the right-wing movement. Sean Hannity on the side of don't speak out against these bad candidates uh, even though Mitch McConnell did it in a very light way and Tucker Carlson at least in the part that we saw identifying the truth to the statement um, that that Dr. Oz is a bad candidate as well as some of these other candidates like Herschel Walker um, who's also losing in the polling but by a little bit less which just absolutely blows my mind um, but Mitch McConnell you know isn't able to fully say all of what we would Want to identify about these candidates, but it's so bad in his mind that he would do something that is not, uh, usual from a Senate minority leader, which is to allude to the fact that your candidate is running bad or your uh, party is running bad candidates. That's pretty bizarre coming from someone who hopes to be the Senate majority leader. An interesting exchange happened, uh, on CNN between Jim Acosta and, uh, Chad Wolf, who used to be Donald Trump's, or at one point he was the acting secretary of Homeland Security under Donald Trump. And they get into a discussion about the election and about election fraud and if it was stolen or not. And so many different things in this exchange happened that I kind of want to break down. There's larger points to make around it. So I'll just show it to you and kind of stop it throughout to break it down.
2: I think there's a number of election irregularities, illegalities and fraud. And I think that's that's uh, but, been widely reported. But, uh, but enough on both to the right but, on but the left to but enough to alter the outcome.
0: So the first thing you'll you'll notice uh this Chad Wolf guy I keep going back to is I think there's a number of irregularities and fraud. I think there's many instances of fraud, whatever. And uh I'll probably further discuss this in a bit, but that is a very very dishonest framing of an answer to a question that's pretty obvious, which is, do you think there was wide scale voter fraud? Do you think there was, uh, the election was stolen? And so why is it important to identify the difference between what he's, how he's answering it and what the actual question is? Well, because in every election, always forever throughout history, always every single time, (laughs) um, there was some instances of fraud in a country of 300 plus million people, you are going to have someone or a handful of people attempt, sometimes, act, sometimes accidentally, and then even often purposefully to do some form of election fraud. Um, it's just going to happen. It is. That has no relation to do you think the election was stolen? Because 5, 10, 100 people trying to go vote twice because they love a candidate so much or trying to mail in a ballot and also vote in person and whatever it is. Uh, that has zero chance of swaying a national election, right? So those cases should be prosecuted. Those people should be held accountable. You shouldn't do that in a democracy. But it literally, a small amount of fraud is not a threat to our democratic process, uh, because it happens every single election, and it's at such low levels that it couldn't possibly have any effect um, over the results. And so, him going back to, well, there's a handful or there's a uh, numerous cases of election irregularities is silly. It's nonsense because just by the very nature of millions of people voting, you're going to have some instance where someone does something wrong or there's some irregularity, but you have to provide evidence, if you're wanting to pretend the, le- the election was stolen or there should be any doubt whatsoever about the results, that this election had so much that the, ele- the actual results could be different than uh, what they are, which is a very different question.
2: Some of the 2020 election, are you say, an, are you an say, election denier? I would say any type of fraud, Wait, yeah. any type of election fraud. I no, no this is important. Any type of, ele- I don't want to just bypass, was it a little or is it a lot? Right? Any election fraud oh, should know. be addressed. And I don't think we can say
0: just hey there So see this is why I wanted to show this clip. There's so much and so little time about this that is important. Um and it's almost like someone like this guy wants to hold on to the belief, or at least for self promotion purposes among a particular audience. I don't know. Um, but for some reason he has to hold on to the idea that there was Some reason this election wasn't legitimate, but when it's been analyzed time and time again because of how many claims there are, this was one of the best, most secure elections we've had. And we do our elections pretty good already in the United States uh, compared to other countries and compared to history, so it was very secure. And so then you can tell how dishonest it is to continue saying, well... Any any amount of fraud should be addressed. Of course, of course it should. And it does get addressed. People do get held accountable by our criminal justice system for any form of election fraud. Yes, so those those should be investigated. That is so different than casting doubt on the entire election. You have to provide evidence before you can start making claims like the election was uh, iffy. You have to provide evidence about some wide scale nature of it that could have affected the election results
2: There's a little fraud so that's who won, okay who won that the 20- the, at the end of the day
0: No one's saying a little frauds that's okay We're saying it couldn't, it couldn't have affected the results. Yes, the individual should still be held accountable
2: Chad, I think let let that's me, let very let very, very important. Here. Who won the 2020 election? Obviously, Joe Biden is president. No, no, no. no. I mean, there is... But, no, no, but no, I just he, answered your question. Is, no, but he is the president, obviously. Oh he is the president. I, I've, I seen, think, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen folks from, from Trump world parse this out and say, okay, Joe Biden is president. We know that. Okay, yeah. that's, that is a matter of fact. Do you believe that he won that election fair and square? I believe that... The, I just answered the question first. Let me answer it in two parts. One, Joe Biden is president. Two, a number of irregularities, illegalities, and fraud.
0: So... He just perfectly did something. This is an example of you don't have to be lying in a given moment to be uh, very dishonest and very manipulative without telling direct lies. So what this guy just did is he said, I know two things. Number one, uh, oh shoot. The second thing, was there a number of irregularities? Okay, number one, Joe Biden is president. And number two, there was a number of irregularities, fraud, etc., in this election. Both of those statements are true. <laughs> Biden is president. And just like every other election throughout history, there were some instances of fraud and those people should be held, held accountable. That is a masterclass in how to be dishonest, through framing or through selective, you know, answering of the question, where you don't actually lie with the words that are coming out of your mouth, but why? What? Uh, but by what you choose to focus on and the magnitude uh, that you're getting. Sorry, the magnitude that you're giving to the things that you're saying, you are being just as dishonest as a liar would be. You've now risen to the level of being a liar because you're trying to say to an audience yeah don't trust in this election by saying two facts that shouldn't give anybody that conclusion joe biden's president and there was irregularities just the simple fact of there being irregularities should not make you distrust the election process because again millions of people involved in a democratic process some people are going to try to do wrong things you have to prove that it was by some you know measure wide scale and could have affected the election results that's very fascinating watching him do that um, because he's smart enough to know that he can't just make outright false claims necessarily but he can make a couple true claims that when you put them together and whenever you put them within the context of a question that was about if the election was stolen or if you're denying the results of the election um, are just as dishonest as telling a blatant lie
2: occurred during 2020 but not sufficient to throw uh, again I don't I don't have argument. all of that evidence. I think yeah. there's been a number of reporting. You like th-
0: Oh. Oh. So interesting. Okay, we'll stop it there but um again, it was just a minute a bunch of things that are have a lot of takeaways from it. So uh that's another great way to cast out without completely, you know, without having Keeping some sort of plausible deniability, where he says, I don't know, not sure, I don't have all of the information that would allow me to know if it was completely secure or if there was enough fraud to swing the election results. It's genius, because then you put out a bunch of claims that would make someone doubt the election, but then say, but I mean, I don't know, I'm not saying one way or another, I don't know, who knows? And within the context of talking about an election, the importance of integrity uh, of our democratic process and of trust in that process, it is very damaging to just cast doubt and then walk away and say, I don't know. Very damaging. Because the only thing that holds together a democratic society like ours, again, I understand our government is a democratic republic, um, but we use democratic processes so that we have uh, representation with our government of our own voices, uh, within a pro, uh, sorry, within a system like that, the only thing that holds it together is the belief in it operating, you know, healthily and it operating properly. The second that the country doesn't believe that they're able to go use their voice through voting and it mattering and it being heard and it being legitimate, you lose the ability to have an effective system. You lose the ability um, to have some sort of social cohesion. And that's super scary. And that's why we have to push back so aggressively against claims like the one this guy was making and um, against kind of these anti-democratic actions by so many people. A really fascinating poll came out revealing that one of the top issues of Americans, we've talked previously in the show today and tons about this throughout the last uh, couple of years, well, I haven't done my show that long, couple months of my show, but then a couple of years kind of as a country, is this threat to our democracy that is posed right now. And a fascinating poll came out showing that that's a top issue for voters right now, which rarely are um, issues that kind of non-material, if that makes sense. Uh, that sounds like I'm saying it's not important. It's so important, but not something that you feel in your day-to-day economic life or something like that. Um and, and it's something you more have to have a conceptual understanding of the threat to our democracy that you don't feel in this immediate moment. But that's now risen to the top of the list for many Americans and it is ranked as the top issue when you look at percentages of people who say this is my top issue or this is my top issue, which is really, really, really interesting. So... We're going to take a look here at that, that poll, but then I just want to discuss why I think that is. And one of the reasons is not just because of what I, I hope it to be, which would be that we all see the threat that Donald Trump poses and the MAGA movement poses to our democratic process. Um, but I think it's kind of this combination of people who think the threat to our democracy from Democrats stealing elections and, People who think the threat to our democracy uh, because Donald Trump and his movement are um, heavily leaning in that direction. And of course, Donald Trump denied rightful election results, which is the top way you get mass amounts of people not to believe in our democracy, which then threatens it deeply. So here's the poll when you look at uh, voters ranking the threat to democracy um, among other issues. And it's 21% of people say the threat to our democracy is the number one issue posed, uh, posing our country right now. And then the number two is cost of living. That's crazy, especially in a time when inflation is hitting people. Uh, prices at grocery stores and gas prices still are high and it's a huge discussion topic. The fact that cost of living doesn't come in at the top as it was in many of these polls um, before now is pretty interesting and profound and again i think that represents a good bit of americans who believe what i believe and that's very good that they're paying attention to this threat um and and what i believe and i think a lot of americans do who answered that as their top issue in this poll uh is that donald trump's actions and trying to overturn the 2020 election denying the results um so that he could go and try to overturn overturn them that represents a move by part of our country and a movement that believes uh, our elections are not legitimate or at least wants to state that so that they can stay in power even whenever their voices, even whenever the voice of the American people collectively went in another direction. And so it's hopeful that a lot of people see that threat. What I'm concerned with is a lot of the people citing that as their top thing are um, actually MAGA people who believe the threat is that democratic uh, you know the democratic cabal is stealing elections which of course is nonsense and every single time I've begged pleaded please show me the evidence you keep you keep speaking of MAGA um, I don't get it <laughs> I'm still waiting uh, and so very fascinating and I think this is part of why we're seeing a shift in the polling towards the Democratic Party, because at least the part of that number, that 21% of Americans who rank ranked as a top issue, who are not a part of MAGA and see the threat of the Republican Party right now and see the threat of Trump and his movement, are going to think, listen, even if I'm in economic pain right now and I might think it's the Democratic Party's fault, or even if I'm not a lifelong Democrat or whatever, It doesn't really matter. This is what I would hope they believe. It doesn't really matter about those other issues if our democracy falls, right? My voice won't be able to get heard. We won't be able to address problems in our country if we don't have a healthy democracy. And that party and that movement is trying to uh, deteriorate that as we speak. So in this election, I'm going to put that at the top of what drives me the polls and who I vote for. So I think that's affecting a lot uh, why the Democratic Party is seeing a boost in the polls because among the investigations and all of these things, the January 6th Select Committee and their public hearings, I do think, reached more people than ha- than had like been reached before that point about this issue, right? I think a lot of people saw January 6th, it was bad, then they moved on, um, and the January 6th Select Committee really revealed how much of a part Trump's anti-democratic actions played in that and how it wasn't just about that day, even while that de- you know while devastating it was about Trump's larger actions in trying to overturn the 2020 election generally which is really scary and really dangerous and so i think people have woken up to that fact more than ever and we're seeing that in the polling hopefully that most of that 21% we hope is people who see the threat of Trump and not uh kind of the other way around and so it's it's hopeful and it's sad right it's hopeful because people are seeing the threat it's sad because in america one of people's top issues is the threat to our democracy and that's not where you want to stand as a democracy now i have the belief i was talking to friends recently um, and they had a more pessimistic take on this but i genuinely believe we're gonna get through this we're gonna uh eventually defeat the movement that is this threat to democracy through the political system um and come out the other sh- the other side but that does not diminish the real threat that is posed right now and how serious um and important it is that people pay attention to it right now i have a pretty uh, icky story to talk about uh, a gop candidate in florida running for the florida house got banned off to twit banned off twitter which that's not the icky part that definitely should have happened for calling for the killing of federal law enforcement on the spot, or he used the phrase on site. So we'll read into this. It's just disturbing how many of these far right candidates who are running for positions of power um, and who are rising to prominence are so willing to call for violence openly. Okay, reading. Luis Miguel, a GOP candidate for Florida's House of Representatives, representatives was banned from several social media platforms on Friday after calling to legalize shooting federal agents on site on Wednesday, Miguel, who is running in Florida house district 20 posted across his Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and parlor accounts. The same message signed with his name, uh, quote under my plan, all Floridians will have permission to shoot FBI, IRS, ATF, and all other feds on site. Let freedom ring. Guys, first of all, if you're someone who gets angry every time anyone gets banned off Twitter, which I think sometimes they do it wrongfully for sure, this is an example of when absolutely there should be Twitter bans and don't come at me with the freedom of speech. No, a private company can decide they don't want people calling for violence on their platform. That is acceptable. (laughs) That has nothing to do with the government censoring people. Okay, Uh, so... That represents to me this idea within the Republican Party that part of our base, again, y'all know I talk about this all the time, there's tons of conservatives who are kind of in a weird spot right now because they like small government, they like uh, the concepts that were marketed to them, maybe not completely honestly about the Republican Party being the party of family values or Christian party, and they like those things, and they're decent people. And now they're like, what do I do? Because look at where the party's going. So I'm not talking about those people whenever I say the Republican Party has done this shift or the right wing. But you know who I am talking about. Kind of the base now of the Republican Party is Off the rocker (laughs) it's crazy and that is an example of it this guy knows and I think he's correct that one of the ways he can get more prominent within the Florida Republican Party and get more supporters and very uh, passionate supporters is by doing what he just did which is calling his people or saying that in his version of Florida under his plan Uh, People would be able to kill federal law enforcement or federal agents or uh, federal employees, in the case of the IRS, on site. That's just the most overt call to violence possible. Obviously, maybe he's not exactly saying, you go do it, but (laughs) yes, he is. (laughs) Um, He's saying, you would be able to do it in my version of Florida, so you should do it now, right? Um, And that's super scary. And... What I hate about it is I do think this gives him a better chance of becoming a Republican star than ever before. Because right now with the hatred among the Trump movement towards specifically the FBI, but also the IRS, um, and then of course the ATF, there's a general hatred there all the time. Um, there There's this lust for violence towards these organizations that they've now called... Uh, domestic terrorist organizations and authoritarian and dictatorial just because they're investigating the former president, right? Just because they're finally holding accountable someone who's powerful, um, which is less common in America than regular people being held accountable. And so just because they're doing that, they went through the proper process to get a warrant, raid Donald Trump's home, doing an investigation. He did have the documents they were looking for. Um. They now want violence towards random FBI agents and towards these federal law enforcement organizations and this guy is tapping into that. And it's so dangerous. So good for Twitter for banning him, but we need to keep watch out for uh, this far right. Because, and that's why I cover them so much. Um, that's why I cover a lot of their leaders because they pose a real threat and we have to be aware of that to properly politically fight that and we have to win politically so that we can uh, keep them from getting their hands on levers of power. And that's why it's so important that we watch them and watch candidates like this guy and check them whenever they do such crazy things like he did um, on social media and beyond. Tucker Carlson went on a rant about how uh, the Democratic Party is suddenly looking good. Not suddenly, but has increasingly looked good in midterm polling and kind of tries to break down why that is. And it's fascinating because, of course, y'all know my feelings about Tucker Carlson. I think he's a massive, massive, uh, you know, damaging individual and a horrible person to be getting seen on a nightly basis by millions of people and he's become quite the figure. And he spreads horrible, hateful um, lies and has a horrible ideology. But he makes a lot of correct points here. And so what the reason I want to show you that is because this part of the right is now recognizing the honest political landscape that exists. For a while, I was like, ha you think that Joe Biden and the Democrats could ever do good again? Ha ha ha. The Republicans are going to beat them no matter what. And for a while, even I believe that. And then we saw a shift in the polls based on the overturning of Roe v. Wade, the gun violence that happened and the republicans you know refusal continual refusal to properly act on that issue and then the anti-democratic actions by trump the investigation into trump and his allies um, and so we've seen a shift in that direction so tucker carlson would never say the things i just listed necessarily uh at least the last one he may admit to the abortion one um are why the democrats are surging but he does Accurately identify some things, which is interesting because I think he's uh, he's recognizing that it's more beneficial to him to prepare his audience for that truth than do what is usually done in the build-up to elections, which is, you know, a blind optimism oft- oftentimes for your team or whatever.
3: Unpopular presidents drag their parties to the bottom in midterm elections. That's the unchanging rule of
0: politics. You saw it famously in 19... 19- And then what I love, guys, is a lot of these people, like Tucker Carlson, do this thing where anytime they want to make a point and the polls contradict that point, they say, wow, whatever, polls, polls, Um, I don't have an example in my head of Tucker Carlson specifically doing that. I'm sure he has. But Trump, you know, always does that. No, 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 the polls aren't saying that. But then when there's a point that they want to make that the polls align with, Clearly he wants to make some point about the Republican Party's failures in uh, politically winning, or at least potentially not doing well. Uh, then he cites the polls and says that's a good representation of uh, kind of the the sentiment within the country. To his credit, he does also cite the betting markets, which he says are often more accurate than polls. In hmm.
3: 94 with the Republican takeover of Congress after two disastrous years with Bill Clinton. You saw it in 2006 after Hurricane Katrina. You saw it in 2010 after Obamacare, you saw it in 2018. So there's no question based on precedent that that's about to happen once again in 2022, in November. That's what everybody assumes. And in fact, it may well happen. We're certainly praying for it. But as of tonight, we have to be honest with you, the numbers don't show that happening, not even close. In fact, all the indications we have right now suggest that despite Joe Biden's well-earned unpopularity, the Democratic Party still, again, as of tonight, has a strong chance of holding Congress in November. The prediction markets, which many believe are more accurate than the polls, overwhelmingly point to the Democrats keeping at least one chamber. And maybe strangest of all, as of this week, Democrats are leading Republicans nationally on the so-called generic ballot by about four points. So if you ask people, which party do you like more, they say Democrats. And maybe that's why Democrats are raising a lot more money too, and not just money from their patrons in big tech, but from small dollar donors. That's bad. In June, Democrats raised $64 million online from four million people. That same month, this June, Republicans raised only $26 million online from just over a million donors. From the first quarter to the second quarter of this year, donations to the Republican Party dropped by more than 12%. By contrast, donations to the Democratic Party are up more than 20%. That is not good at all. Not simply because you need money to run a political campaign, but because money is to some extent a measure of commitment and intensity.
0: So I showed that whole clip because he actually breaks down a couple things that are true, uh, which is rare on his show, and and walks through a number of different indicators that the Democrats might do better than expected a few months ago or than history kind of shows. So the fact about the party that gets the White House often doesn't do well in the next midterms. Um, multiple reasons why that is, but that's definitely historically the case. It's very rare that the party who won the White House two two years later um, does well in the midterms. And so for the Democrats right now, doing well would be holding both chambers, Um, or even holding one chamber would be good, but um, holding both obviously would be ideal. And so the fact that they have a chance of doing that is not common historically at all. So we'll take a look uh here at the 538 generic ballot uh congressional poll which just says generally would you vote for the Republican Party or the Democratic Party? Um and it does that poll nationally. And so you can see in the build-up, I'll explain for our podcast listeners, but uh people can see this on the screen. When you see as time goes on, this gap just closed, 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 and then now the Democrats are leading by a thin little margin. And again, 538 averages a bunch of different pollsters. So it's more conservative pollsters who lean that direction, more liberal, um, and averages them all together. And so you can see with this average, average of all the polls, um, or all the prominent ones, the Democrats now have taken a little lead. Um, and then when you look at just the Senate, their likelihood to win, it has that the uh democrats 63 and 100 likelihood to win and the republicans 37 um, out of 100 as far as their chances go to win and so that's pretty wild the democrats are leading in their chances based on polling to win and as, as he said the betting markets have gone that direction um as time has gone it gone on uh and fundraising seems to also be going that direction so i've talked about the reasons that i believe it to be are uh number one the economy now is getting a little bit better started heading a little bit in the right direction which is always a good thing for the party that is in power um, obviously still things are not where we want them to be but employment is super high so unemployment has gone uh, down back to record lows so that is a great economic factor as it is. And then the other ones, while still not great, inflation is still high, gas prices are still high, um, are starting to drop, are starting to go in the correct direction, which I think people are feeling and are, um, you know, glad about. And so that added on to Roe v. Wade being overturned. Um, we saw the unprecedented level of voter turnout in Kansas to protect abortion rights in Kansas in a red state, wild. And I just think it motivates people a lot more than anyone expected. Um, and then, like I said, the mass shootings that Republicans don't want to f- fully address and then uh, the anti-democratic actions and the threat that Donald Trump and his movement pose to our democracy. I think all those things combined are why we're seeing a situation where somehow the Democrats have a chance um, and right now have a better chance than Republicans uh, than doing well, uh, you know, than doing well in the midterms, which is awesome. And so I think as it stands, they have a better chance of keeping the Senate than the House. Just some of the Senate candidates running for the Republican Party. I have no chance. Honestly, they're just so bad. Um, and then the House now, maybe the Democrats can pe- can keep it, which is just awesome and crazy. And it would be really nice to see another two years where the Democrats have an opportunity to continue fighting uh, for more things. And I say that because they haven't gotten done what they should have gotten done. While there are major accomplishments, they haven't. And as I've explained, a lot of that is due to Joe Manchin's obstructionism. Um, as well as Kirsten cinemas. So in an amazing world, one more senator or two more senators would get into the Senate from the Democratic Party if they had 51 uh votes, 52 votes in the Senate instead of that thin 50-50 margin where Kamala Harris has to break the tie uh do the tiebreaker vote, uh then maybe you make Manchin and Kirsten Cinema less powerful and you allow more things to get done, which would be really great because we need a lot of the things that biden promised and it's really aggravating that those things haven't been able to get followed through on um but hope for the midterms hope for the the idea of the republican party not getting back in power with the danger that is posed right now by this really far right that has risen so much to prominence um and even tucker carlson recognizes uh those facts which is pretty fascinating that is our last story of the day. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. Another reminder to our podcast listeners, it is super helpful if wherever you listen, um, I know Apple Podcasts has this function. I'm pretty sure other platforms as well. Um, I know Spotify as well. You click five stars. That helps a lot as a rating. And then if you want to click write a review, I know specifically on Apple Podcasts, that helps a lot. And just say, what do you think of the show? Write a review, submit it. Um, just takes a few seconds and helps me out a lot. Uh, But thank you all, and I'll see you tomorrow.